welcome to Blizzard Watch, where we watch Blizzard as fast and hard as we can. We have like millions of eyes just constantly watching them. Uh, I'm Matt Rossi, I'm the host, and with me this week we have two magnificent co-hosts. First up, he's here filling in for Alex, so I'll introduce him first, Mitch. How you doing, Mitch? Good, thanks for calling me magnificent. You don't usually do that. I know, I- I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want to throw you off and ruin our relationship by being but, nice to you, but okay, that, that's... occasionally it happens. All right. What have you been up to this week? Anything? Um, what have I been up to this week? Not a whole lot. Heroes here and there. Other non-Blizzard games occasionally. Um, raid teams working through Nighthold. I love, um, I love Nighthold so far. And I love the Star Augur boss, especially. Um, not only because it's an amazing looking fight, but because there's a lot of lore stuff kind of hidden, hidden-ish, not so hidden. But yeah, loving it so far. Cool, cool. Also with us, uh, she does practically everything, so at this point I feel more like I'm wasting our time. I should just say, hey, Anne, because you know who she is. Everybody knows hey. who she is. She's Hi. Uh, Anne Stickney. What are you up to, Anne? Um, not a whole lot, although, let's see, my rogue finally got a legendary, which was pretty cool. Like Ooh, first congrats. Leg- yeah, first legendary I've gotten on any of the characters that I've leveled to 110, and there are many of them. <laughs> and then, um, I don't, like, Everything else that I've been doing has just been kind of the same old, same old. I, I've gotten to the point on the Rogue where I need to go do Court of Stars and Nighthold. So, yeah, I'm there. I'm there yeah, too. I'm I, need to, I need to get in there and do that so that I can actually finish the Suramar stuff. I'm having... I, I should have... Hindsight is, you know, twenty twenty, And honestly, I probably should have just leveled the Rogue first. Because I'm having more fun in Suramar with the Rogue than I was on any other character. <laughs> I would imagine if you can stealth through a lot of that stuff. It well, would be you could stealth. Now, keep in mind that those things that break your disguises, they also see right through stealth. So there is no, I mean, you're in the same amount of danger or whatever. But for whatever reason, it just, it feels so much more Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I like it. I like it a lot. And there yeah. are points where it's like, I need to get up on top of that building. You know what? I'm just going to respect to outlaw just for a second here to use that grappling hook. Oh, I love the grappling hook. <laughs> God, I love that thing. Yeah, so I'm having a lot of fun with that. And my other characters are kind of like, uh, not by the wayside necessarily, because Hattie, Hattie, my hunter, right after we finished the stream last week, I finally went in and actually finished the hunter class hall campaign. Like got to the end of it and everything and unlocked the third slot and everything else. So I'm good to go for Mythics this week, guys. Yay! Oh, that's cool. right. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, probably talk about top stories now because we had a pretty big one drop, like literally today. Uh, the patch 7.2 PTR just got an update there. We don't know when it will go live, but they've taken the PTR down for this. Yeah, they took and it down. They haven't put it back up yet. It's a pretty big deal because it's basically previous patch uh, build was, was basically testing the Legion assaults and a few you know, things like uh, transmog. They're, they're adding new stuff to transmog, but this one um, they're basically throwing in new class order hall campaign stuff, mm-hmm. which unlocks the new artifact traits that are coming in 7.2. And in addition, they're putting in the broken shore uh, Legion fall reputation stuff. And you can test that uh, stuff. Hasn't it's not complete yet. Um, you can't do the world bosses yet. And there's no rewards yet, but it's still a, a pretty big chunk of content that's being tested. Um, from what I understand, the class order call stuff. Oh, it's. I think it's. There's. They basically. What happens is you get. There's seven quests. Seven there's quest seven lines. unique chains. Yeah, seven quest lines for it, and there's one for tanks. So all tanks get the same basic quest. Um, there's two for healers. Um, so I don't know how they're differentiating out the healers for this uh some healers get one quest some healers get the other 
and there's four quests for DPS. So so if you play a DPS class like, oh, I don't know, a rogue like I'm playing, um, you'll get a different quest for assassination, outlaw, and subtlety. But one of those might cross over with, say, um, I think they used Fury Warrior as an example. Yeah. They, yeah. they basically, you know, the, the, they have enough variation in quests so that you don't get the same quests. It's Every class, it's three different quests. I mean, think, think about it the way like shadow priests and what arms warriors went to the same place in mm-hmm. Tur's fall and pa- paladins too holy yeah, yeah but it, and but pal- it means it's, it's kind of like that it means if you want to do the quest for each of your different specs you're not going to run into the same quest chain twice so healers even if you have two healing specs or whatever you're you know like you've got holy and discipline you're going to go on both of those healing quests like holy will go on one discipline will go on the other and then shadow will probably go on one of the dps quests i would hope so yeah so there's no real overlap there and everybody gets kind of a unique experience which i think is pretty cool that's actually pretty awesome um the other thing that's going on on the ptr as well they are testing the pvp brawl system which they had talked about this is kind of the same thing that they introduced in hearthstone and overwatch where you've got um Kind of a no holds barred area. In, in it's heroes. a brawl with special, yeah, with special rules. And every Friday for the next, I want to say four weeks, three weeks, four weeks, something like that. Uh, the Blues are actually going to be playing on the PTR as well. So if you want a chance to brawl the, with the Blues, you can go ahead and do that. This is the one where they reintroducing the South Shore Tyron Mill as one of the maps. Yeah, that's one of the maps. Um, I, I believe. Let's see. I want to say one of the other maps. Uh, this week's update, they're introducing gravity laps, which I'm not sure what's entailed with that <laughs> one. But I think, if I remember right, that's the one that takes place in... What's that battleground, the one out in Netherstorm? Oh, uh, Eye of the Storm. Yeah, Eye of the Storm. I want to say that that was Eye of the Storm where that one takes place, but I could be completely wrong, so don't uh, take me at... Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. Look it up, if you would. Um, from what I understand, though, it's just... It's it's literally, it's gravity laps every once in yeah. a while. Yeah. Gravity yeah, so I have the storm gravity lapse causing gravity to behave strangely. Yes. Like throwing everyone into the sky. Right. So basically it's the battleground maps that you know and love, but none of the rules apply. And there's oh usually God. a strange set of rules. Um, I, oh, sorry. I want to say one of the other ones that they mentioned at BlizzCon was throwing, uh, doing a 15 by f- 15 versus 15 battle in an arena. <laughs> yeah okay so like I, I pulled up a list there's there's the 15 by 15 man group uh-huh. there's the south shore terror mill there's the gravity laps which we went over winter arathi basin which has you know reduced visibility updated art and then the water's actually frozen so you yeah can, it's arathi basin um, like yeah. the standard arathi basin map but it's dead middle of winter and you can't see a dang thing yeah of all the snow then, Eye of the Horn? Um, Eye of the Storm puts everyone on ram mounts that shoot players off into the Twisting Nether. <sighs> and then insta-cap Warsong Gulch, which I'm not quite sure what that means, but... Hey, Maybe if you I, grab the flag, you cap it automatically? Yeah, I think yeah. it sounds it sounds likely that that's that so it's basically like just speed run? cap Yeah, so... Yeah, just get there. Basically, it will make defense a lot more important. Hmm. Yeah, because, so like know. many of Blizzard games, it's basically throw the rules out you throw the rules out introduce some new stuff i believe at blizzcon they said that it probably won't be all that balanced but it will be incredibly crazy so (laughs) i like it i like the idea of it i like the idea of throwing a new spin on some of these old places that we because i mean i started doing battlegrounds back when they were first introduced halfway through vanilla yeah halfway Um, it's yeah halfway three quarters away 
if you think about it, it's sort of like a group brawlers guild, but for PvP. Yeah. Which kind of makes me wonder if this is sort of a testing ground for if they'll do something like this for PvE. Like, you know, at BlizzCon, they would, you know, spawn Hogger as like a super, like a 40-man raid boss. Like, kind of combining Brawler's Guild with this new PvP thing in the future, I think would be pretty cool, where you have like a PvE group facing off against something that's just ridiculous. Nighthold, but, but, you know, but every boss is twice, guys, twice as much health. And <laughs> well, Mythic Plus is, is kind of like that, isn't it? It's, it's a little bit like that, but... Yeah, I mean, he's saying we'll, he would like we'll it to be completely random, where he doesn't know, like that you'd go to a dungeon and just have it be completely insane. Suddenly, yeah. every boss is Odin. What? <laughs> <laughs> prove, prove yourself to me. Oh, prove yourself. Prove yourself. Not again. Again. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, also, every boss like, is Odin, and the person ex- escorting you through the entire dungeon is Gadgar's head in a bubble. <laughs> I feel like we should mention to people, just so people know, so if you've if you've been doing your artifact up to fifty four. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of that. Don't don't panic. In fact, it's probably your best move right now is to keep working on your artifact and not to save the artifact power things. The artifact power tokens aren't going to give you artifact power. They uh, don't carry over. They don't. You'll, they you'll don't need to get over. all new ones. So go ahead and use them now. Like if you've got them, use them. Um, use them on use all them your them. And if you've used as many as you possibly can, they do vendor for gold now, so you can always sell them off. Yeah, and the reason for that is what happens is when 7.2 comes and you do this quest, all the points you've spent up to 54 will convert back, and you can spend them on the new traits. So Which is you, pretty great. Yeah, that way you won't have to wait. You won't have to like you know work to get all those traits. You'll just have them. You're not going to so, start from ground zero. Yeah, but when you refund those traits, like right now, I think if you if you have all 54. It's a 15% bonus to damage. They said something like, yeah, if you refund those extra 20 traits, you're not going to lose 15% damage. Like, there's going to be something to kind of balance it out so it doesn't feel like you're losing power. Yeah. It's so something, It's, it's kind of confusing, but essentially it's, hey, don't worry about it too much. Yeah. Hold, the other thing... Hold anything here. The other thing newsworthy to note today, though, um, today is January 31st, and it should have been the day of the Kirin Tor Tavern, Tavern Crawl event mini holiday unfortunately that has been disabled there was an issue with it that didn't come up in the ptr and it was an issue that they couldn't hot fix so they just had to disable it altogether uh the tour got so drunk that they couldn't do the they got so call. drunk that they just they couldn't they couldn't even pull it off hey so guys I love Ronan. On whether or not that's going to be addressed or re-released in like in the future i know i i want to say that the tavern crawl was specifically set for january 31st i don't think it had any other days on the calendar so i'm kind of hoping that they move it so that we don't have to wait a whole year to see it because i that was one of the ones that i was really looking forward to i don't know why it's just a stupid tavern crawl (laughs) and and had a bunch of beer on her desk ready to go i was i was gonna take shots right along with my character (laughs) (laughs) i could have used a day of heavy drinking i'm just saying (laughs) I needed an excuse. We, we all could. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's been disabled. Uh, unfortunately, there were some other hotfixes that came out. I don't think there was anything like super, super notable about those particular hotfixes. Um, real quick, uh, mm-hmm. Viku in chat points out, I think July 31st is the next one. There is one scheduled for July 31st. July 31st. I, I want to see it before then. Yeah, I do too. Um... Give us one on Valentine's Day. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't, because a lot of people would miss out on it, because <laughs> they're probably legitimately doing stuff. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, that's that's I think that's about it for news, really. The only other thing of note that I can think of is there was talks about they are going to be looking Overwatch. They're going to be looking at Bastion again. And yeah, I haven't read up too much about this, but apparently people seem happy. He's going to get buffed, changed. He's going to get he's going to get changed a little bit. He's going to get buffed a little bit. There's just there's some stuff going on with him. Um, as far as heroes goes, they released an image the other day that said, "Hey, where's Valera? Can you help us find her or whatever?" And it was like it was an image on I think Garden of Terror, something like that. And just there were heroes everywhere, different skins. It, it was like a Where's Waldo page, basically. Hmm. And, you know, Blizzard being Blizzard, heroes being heroes, everyone was like, okay, there's something going on here. This isn't just for fun. Um, I totally missed it because I was thinking Kel'Thuzad's going to be the next hero because that's been on the, you know, rumor release for a while. Absolutely. But uh, people noticed in the picture, like, infested Terran eggs, which is a thing Stukov does. Oh, in Starcraft boy. So people are thinking that Stukov is going to be the next hero added to Heroes of the Storm. Um, That'd be great. It's a not a WoW person. Well, that's exactly like I was. I'm curious if Kel'Thuzad was technically planned for next, and they switched it around because people were upset about so many Warcraft heroes, or if the you know the leaked list that's been correct for like months now was finally wrong. What kind of a role do you think Stukov would play? I I'm leaning either specialist or support. We do have a Starcraft support already um, yeah, we with have Morales. So many yeah, but. He, lousy with technically he has like support style abilities like canonically um but he plays a lot more specialist in like because he's, he's a starcraft 2 co-op hero so i'm leaning either support or specialist um was there anything but, in there like hints towards maybe lucio showing up because i still want him to show up <laughs> not in this picture it was Ugh. just the stukov corrupted eggs or whatever but yeah um being, you know, on the normal release schedule, we'll probably hear more in a week or two. So, yeah, with those Bastion changes, um, obviously those aren't actually, like, in the game or anything yet. They aren't even on the PTR yet. They're saying that they would like to have those testable in the next PTR. Um, and one of the things that they're looking at, this is the really big one, right? Bastion may be able to use his self-repair while he's moving and also have it no longer be interrupted when he's taking damage. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of the problem with Bastion right now is, you know, if he goes into self-repair mode, all you have to do is hit him to interrupt it. And he can't he can't cast it while he's moving. He has to sit in one spot. So it's not really that effective. And it makes him a little bit tissue paper um, for people who know how to counter Bastion and take care of him. Uh, the other thing that they're looking at is they're looking at kind of focusing sentry mode back into more of a tank buster and barrier buster mode while also making it feel like it's it's a little less suicidal to be to be transformed because with sentry mode you also you have to plop down in one spot and any time you plop down in one spot where you don't move that immediately puts you open to snipers which is why sniper characters are very very effective at getting rid of bastion by the way didn't, people if you didn't, didn't he know used that to have a, <laughs> a frontal shield like he did he's, he's he did gone through they, some weird but the changes thing is, is that that frontal shield made him way too powerful like people just couldn't kill him yeah. Like they couldn't kill him at all. So I mean, they needed they needed that opening where it was like, okay, particular characters are really effective against Bastion, because that's kind of how the game works. Is you've got one hero and that hero has like a handful of heroes that are really good at killing that hero, but that hero is also really good at killing a handful of characters. So it kind of balances out. Um, Bastion's one of those ones that hasn't quite fit in just 
as smoothly as everybody else, I think. So yeah, the other thing that they're looking at is recon mode. They're looking at lowering the spread and increasing the magazine size to help with just the general viability in that particular mode. Um, this is all stuff that they're supposed to have testable on the PTR, hopefully on the next one. If not the next one, then the one after that. So keep an eye out for that. If you're familiar with Bastion, if you're all fond right. of Bastion, I am. I like the robot. Okay. Well, I think we can move on to emails at this point. Um, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Put Blizzard Watch in the in the title, the subject line, if you can. That's that's really helpful. Uh, you guys have been trying really hard. I'm keeping them short, so I we all appreciate it. Because Anne has to read these things. A couple of these ones are kind of long. I apologize, Anne. But nevertheless... It's okay. Uh, I have coffee. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Anne's going to read them to you guys, so... Take it away. Okay. So our first email is from, from, okay, it's supposed to be, I think, ex-outlaw poet, but I'm just going to call you Zoutlaw poet, an undead holy priest on Kill Jaden. I said, thought that was some kind of Aztec name or something. I didn't even notice. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to say Zoutlaw poet, undead holy priest on Kill Jaden, who says the main undead storyline with Queen Sylvana seems to be, quote unquote, making more undead. But we've got multiple ways to make them, seemingly, from Valkyr, Variant, Plague, Alchemy, and good old Necromancy. So why do we keep abandoning the ways we found already to look for the newest shiny way to make undead, like Helios Lantern? My undead priest loves his queen and wants to help out, but the quests and raids don't seem to provide a way forward other than just stopping the Legion. Which is great, but doesn't advance the undead metaplot. Much love to the gang. Tell Rossi I bought his book and it's really good so far. <laughs> um, as far as that goes, keep in mind that the Valkyr are a limited resource. There are only so many of them left and under Sylvanas's control. Yeah, yeah. under Sylvanas's control. How many did she lose? She lost three. <sighs> she lost three just raising her from the dead. Like, yeah, there was died. those three, and then there was the one that sacrificed herself because Sylvanas jumped off of. So there oh, were okay. Yeah. So four. And then I want to say that there was one another Anderhal. one. The one yeah. that died in Anderhal. The one that died in Han So five. There were five that and have died in She had nine so originally, didn't she? She had nine it's originally. Little... Oh, she had nine originally? Because there's like, mm -hmm. th those are the things that come and, you know, save everybody at the Broken Shore. She mm -hmm. like calls them down. And I couldn't remember how many she actually had left. Because I, I admit I was kind of surprised to see them at the Broken Shore. But if she had nine, she, that makes sense. Yeah. She, she, she does not have a ton of them. And no. also, the Valkyr work a lot better than the Plague. Yes. Uh, the plague doesn't always raise you as, as as a as a forsaken or a scourge for that matter. Sometimes it just kills you. Well, I mean, because the plague was originally like the first time we really saw it in action was Wrathgate, right? And that was where it was used against the scourge and the living. Like that was the whole point. Was it that just it was kind of melted everybody? Yeah. Really. Well, but even if we're talking about the original plague of undeath, like the original the original, original go back to Anderhal grain. Yeah. That one doesn't always raise you, and it doesn't always raise you as an undead with any sort of free will. Uh, that's not great because Solanus doesn't, for all that she is a maniac, she doesn't want mindless scourge. That, she that's, needs yeah. malleable, recently deceased minds that can be melded under her control. Yeah, um, she, she's looking for people who will actually follow orders yeah. and not just send them in waves at somebody. Like most of the scourge's attack tactics are throw bodies at it and sylvanas can't afford throw bodies at it yeah so she doesn't that that plague won't work for that reason i mean they used it in gilneas you'll notice that instead of getting a whole bunch of undead out of gilneas she got a bunch of puddles keep in mind too that i mean i know zatla poet you said variant plague alchemy that may very well be what she's trying to get the royal apothecary society to put together 
is some kind of plague that will raise Forsaken rather than mindless scourge or, you know, not even scourge, just mindless zombies, that kind of thing. Um, Obviously, they haven't been successful at that yet. So, I mean, look at South Shore, too. Yeah. South Shore just melted everybody. Except for that jerk, like, what's his name? Chet? Yeah. I don't remember who they didn't get killed. Chet. But but, um, there's also... The problem with necromancy is actually pretty simple. They, if you you actually look at the Forsaken, they don't have a lot of actual necromancers. They don't have guys who are just standing around raising dead. That's the kind of dude you find in the Cult of the Damned, and the, they're generally raising like mindless undead again. Like the only one I can think of is Lillian Voss, and I don't know if she died from if she came back from the plague or from necromancy. Well, it was a Valkyr that raised her. Yeah. So again, it's a Valkyr, and that's. Even when Voss went into Sholomance, she even like points out the necromancers are you know are rubbish. They just make you know mockery corpse things. They're not the the plague of undeath is a it was a huge deal because it did something that un, that necromancers can't do reliably. It created an army of undead. Um, most necromancers are lucky if they can do a couple. You know it's it's just it's not something. Do a couple reliably. without any of them turning on said necromancer and yeah. immediately destroying him or her. The best necromancers are guys who turn themselves into liches most of the time. Like, you know, the, the ones like Kel'Thuzad or, oh, I can't remember his name, but Thelizad? Yeah, I know which one. The Dustbringer, who used to be Father Inigo Montoya, who's apparently Kel'Thuzad's a legitimate son, but I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a whole lot of complicated stuff going on there that kind of but <laughs> behind the, the scenes. There's ish. one lich in, in, oh, Anne will remember this. He's in Netherstorm, I think. He's like in the, the place with the Kirin Tor. Oh, oh! I know who you're talking about, and I don't remember what his name but is. That guy, that guy made himself a, a lich completely yes. independently of the Forsaken or the Scourge or anybody. He figured it out himself, and you'll notice he wasn't in it trying to make more undead for anybody else. He wanted to make himself a lich so he'd be immortal. He just wanted to live forever. Yeah, so which I, I guess that is kind of living forever in a way. Well, it's, because you at can the also expense have the, of things like flesh. I mean, because <laughs> even if he's killed, don't you have to destroy the phylactery or whatever? The phylactery, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so basic, basically, Sylvanas is doing the best method she has while continuing to find a better method if she can, which is why she, she needs was... a reliable way. Because and, none of the ways that have been presented so far have been reliable or anything that could be used in mass quantities with anywhere near the effect of the Lich King. And the, keep in mind that that original run of Forsaken, the way that they were created was very different from anything else because Arthas raised all of these creatures into Mindless Scourge and then just due to the fact that Illidan struck a blow against the Lich King, it weakened that connection enough that they were able to snap out of it and regain their free will. That's how they became Forsaken. Um there's no way to really recreate that unless you go to Bolvar and say, hey, so can you just raise a lot of undead and then kind of forget about them for just a split second, like long enough that we can take them in? And I don't think that Bolvar would be very keen on that. He's he's no. not really Bolvari as of late either. No, he's not. He's got his own thing going on, which is... Well, plus, different. we should mention this. Helia's Lantern isn't a new shiny way. No. It is essentially... It's just a means for her, for uh, Sylvanas to bind the current Valkyr that's that work for Odin into her service. It's to get more Valkyr, basically. Because the Valkyr are the best option she's found. They're the most reliable option. 
they work the best, po- mostly because even before Arthas got his hands on them, the concept of Valkyr as Razors of the Dead, you know, go, dates back to when Odin first made them. That's their role, and since he, that's what they're seemed, real good at. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a situation where they're the best option for what she wants to do. But like the, she ones, basically, the ones yeah. that are bound to her right now basically made a deal with her so that they could serve her and work with her in exchange for, you know, getting them away from the Lich King. Because they were tied. They were they were bound to one creature and that creature was gone and they needed to be bound to someone. So they made a deal with Sylvanas. The yeah, only and... reason they are loyal to Sylvanas right now is because they made a deal with her. None of the other Valkyr out there have made that deal with Sylvanas, and n- n- they could all care less. Yeah, the about... ones that work for Odin directly serve Odin out of loyalty. And you yeah. know, you get to even see it. You go to the Halls of Valor. They're very different kinds of Valkyr. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the ones that Helia has serving her, either she compelled them or they rebelled with her. Yeah. So some of the Valkyr were like, no, Odin's a tyrant. And none of them are super keen on working with Sylvanas. So yeah. she kind of needed that lantern, really. And not not to harp on this question too much more, but I mean, the Valkyr aren't a bad way of raising undead. Their problem is their limited supply. The method itself, like she showed Garrosh yeah. back in Silverpine. She, you know, she had a bunch of dead humans, raised them all at once. I mean, and it, it did exactly what she wanted. It's just that she doesn't have a whole lot of Valkyr to do that. Okay. So... I hope that answers your question, Zoutlaw. If nothing else, we talked about it a lot. So there's that. Uh, next email doesn't have a name attached to it. It just says hashtag Patreon supporter, which is great. We like those. So this one says greetings, etc. Um, and there's three questions here. We're just going to answer them in turn, okay? Uh, first question. Chronicles Volume 2 will be out in March. What specific topics are you most hoping to have clarified other than what's official lore from Warcraft 1 and possibly 2? I don't know how far Chronicles 2 will take us. Um, and this actually ties into question two, so we'll go there. Uh, question two says, do you know or suspect whether they'll release a volume three? Uh, to be perfectly clear, what I have heard about Chronicles volume two is that it doesn't actually involve Azeroth lore so much as it focuses on Draenor lore. So we're going to be hearing more about the Breakers and the Primals and all of that, like the early development of Draenor and possibly like evolution of the Orcs and things like that, if I remember correctly. If that's correct, then the thing I want to know most is wh- the entire line of ogres. Like, where do they ogres, come from? and then the Arakoa. Yeah. <laughs> give me, oh, give me a couple of really big chapters on Arakoa history. I will yeah, why eat that do, stuff up. Why do they have those big robots that look like something out of Old mm-hmm. War? Why happens? are they so sun-focused, like the Night Elves? What, I want to you know, know how the Titans interacted with that world, because obviously there is Titan technology on Draenor. Did it have a world soul at some point? Did it not have one? Is it just one of those ones that they cultivated, found out it didn't have a world soul, and then left it behind? Or what Is goes on with that? I want to know, like, old god stuff, because there's hints yeah. of old god lore and um, Outland. Oh, yeah. If you, go to, if you go to Outland, they're, like, directly trying to summon an old god out there. So there's also a possibility the Anzu and all that stuff from both um, Burning Crusade and uh, Warlords connects to the old gods. Mm-hmm. Because the blood thing that curses them definitely has an old god feel to it. Yeah. So, and that feels very much like the red mist that gets used in uh, the Shatrath fight that creates the broken. And it would make sense that an old god-related thing would turn you into a mutant freak monster. Cause... So basically Chronicles 2 looks like it's going to be really fascinating. Not necessarily um, focused on Azeroth history so much as showing us kind of the expanded universe, which I'm 
perfectly cool with. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to is like the Arakoa. And also I want to see more about the primals, like the plant dudes in particular, because they're really like the Batani because they're really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted to learn so much more about them in Warlords and it never happened. So I, I, I'm kind of hoping that Chronicles 2 kind of focuses on that a little bit. I think there's actually one of them in Nightwell, Nighthold, which is interesting. Weird. No, no, that guy. It. You mean the guy who's like a, a like a high knight. botanist? Yeah, the high botanist. He himself isn't a botani. He turned no. himself into a plant thing. Yeah, he turned oh, himself okay. into. It was sort of like uh, that guy from Botanica, only on speed. Yeah, he, no. he or, straight up instead of speed, substitute nightwell juice. Yeah, he straight up <laughs> turned himself into a plant monster. Yeah, that's how. That's how into it he was as far as whether or not they'll release a volume three i guess that kind of depends on how the sales go for volume two but um i would hope so i really liked the first edition of chronicle i imagine i'm gonna like the second edition just as well and (laughs) i would love to see them come out with a three i'd like to see them you know catch everything up to date instead of just you know why not just do do a big run of it 15 volumes make it like an encyclopedia (laughs) just a really big long one it'd be great uh, okay, so Anne loves lore. I do. I really do. <laughs> I would like to catalog every last bit of it. Okay, so uh, third question here: Am I the only one who thinks it's time for Blizzard to upgrade its maps? I don't want pre-drawn maps, but once I've found a location, I think it's reasonable to have an idea of where roads and tunnels and mountains and impassable terrain are. Running to a spot only to find it's a hillside you can't scale is not fun. I I, I know your pain, especially in places like High Mountain, but. One of, for me, one of the charms of Blizzard is that its map style has remained relatively constant. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I know I'm an old, old player. I know that this is nostalgia talking, but I remember the first time I went into, um, I'm going to use a zone that not everybody likes. The first moment to Alterac. And as I'm riding around, there's that moment where you hit a place and you, you, the, the name of that area flashes over your screen and yeah. you get the whoosh sound. And I always, I used to stop and open my map and look and see what I just discovered. And I always liked it. I always like when you go find a refuge pointy, as I like to call it, because they stick an, an E on the end of the word point for no reason. Uh, I remember the first time I found it, I didn't know it was there. I had no clue it was there. So I remember hearing the noise and like refuge point, what? And I look at the map and I'm like over there. I, I like that. I think it's actually it's something that's familiar enough to me that I'm fond of it. I don't want them to go nuts trying to update it and make it realistic. As much as I do from time to time get very frustrated. Like, why is there a cliff here? I need to get over this. Suramar City in particular is is really difficult for me anyway, map-wise. Just because you can't... The city is on several different levels. And you can't tell which level the quest mob is that you're looking for is on. So sometimes... Yeah. I mean, like lately, for all of the quests in the northern part of the zone, my best bet is to just go to Crimson Thicket, ride down, and then just like hop on my glider and try and glide to the point where I need to be. Yeah, when I was doing the Suramar quests, I did that a lot because yeah. there's, there's, especially when you're trying to like, you're trying to do a specific quest, I won't spoil for whatever the three people haven't done it, um, but you're trying to find people and tell them something and they're surrounded by elites and it's like, oh God. There's like every everywhere that I have to go is full of elites that can, you know, tell what illusions are. Um, I, I would say, you know, from my perspective, I like the maps how they are. I think if I want were to make changes, um, one, I have gotten so used to zooming in and out on the map on flight paths yes. that it's jarring to not be able to do it in old content. I would love to have that added. Um, 
And for something like Suramar City, they've done pretty well with like caves and stuff. Just, you know, make it a sub map. Give it its own map when you're in that zone. I think that would like if there's more complicated areas, just let them have their own map. Yeah, Um, I kind of wish it had its own map. That would that would make things so much easier. If it had its own map with like the the little areas clearly labeled, like here, yeah. up here is the menagerie where that annoying dinosaur is at, and down here is that market that you spend way too much time in. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most densely packed, like complicated cities in the game. It's, I love it. A, I love I, it. No, bits, I love it. But yeah, I love it all. Like it's awesome. But you know, Orgrimmar, um, Undercity, all whatever. Every single city has its own map, and Suramar City is arguably more complicated than some of those and it does not i would be willing to accept that suramar could use its own map or even a couple of maps like if you could provide a map for each terrace level because it has like three of them kind of like there's one of the things about suramar that you don't really understand at first like Anne was talking about the levels thing is that it's a series of like of circular zones around like each each next zone is like a core that the previous zone is like above and also around completely and then, you know, you get to the center part and that's kind of like the Nightwell is actually. It's like a bunch more. of stacked horseshoes. Yeah. So it's I found that water mounts are very useful in Suramar. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. half the time I don't try and navigate Suramar City. I, I get on the water and skip the whole freaking place. That's how I I was at one point. I was at frothing, almost incoherent rage at Suramar to the point where I wanted to burn it down. I hated it so much. And then I realized water mount. The water mount makes it much more. You can walk through the canals that way too, which is kind of nice. I, I think, um, and I have to double check that I don't have the map on this character, but I think the one nightmarish place in hinterlands, the troll like ruins or whatever. Um, I think they added a sub map. What was that? Like Zolothway, I think it was called or something. Yeah. Something like that. And wait, uh, in the hinterlands. Yeah. Are you talking about Jintholor? Yes, Jindal, yeah. I think they added a sub-map. I believe it's got its own sub-map point. now, yeah. And it didn't used to, and the sub-map makes it so much better, and that's the kind of thing I you know, would like to see. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. It'd, it'd be nice. Hey, Blizzard, you want to you wanna make that happen, 7-2? Let's yeah. do it. Let's yeah, do it. Just, just make it happen. It does, in fact, have its own map now. Okay, so our uh, next email is from Cog Grinder and it says, Hi, from Cog Grinder, part of the Goblin Cog Sexuplets from the Grand Oceanic Realm, level 110, I level 865 Arcane Mage. Thank you for the mouthful, Cog Grinder. It says, Thanks for the awesome show. Personable and intelligent discussions are always entertaining. If people get the opportunity, they should do the Patreon thing, support the things you like. I agree. Okay, uh, this is also a series of questions, so we're just going to answer them in turn. First question, do you now have, or do you now all have legendaries, or more than one? And if so, which ones, and are you happy with them, a.k.a. best in slot? Rossi? I have uh, one legendary on one of my warriors, and one legendary on my death knight. My death knight got that ring. Oh, Uh, is that Safuz's secret? Yeah, Safuz's secret, or whatever it is. Which, it, it isn't a bad ring, but, I mean, it's... The, the base of it is to interrupt or do a loss of control effect. Like, if I were a mage, I'd be sheeping everything to get more haste. That would be great. But on my Death Knight, basically, I have to try and interrupt things. And usually, I mean, I, I do try and interrupt things while I'm tanking. But, I mean, I do have other stuff to do. I, I, so sometimes I, I miss an interrupt or two, so the ring doesn't feel as useful as it could. It, but it's it's a 940 ring. I mean, come it on. It got a lot better in this patch, too. I know, I think, especially for healers, because I think you can dispel people and yeah, get I the just, effects. And hi. it... it 
it became blood, blood decay, not distilling yeah, anything. Yeah, it became uh, best in slot or close to best in slot for a couple people. Where it's a good it used ring, to be though. terrible, but yeah, yeah um, it, it is a good ring, and I like it. For, but it could be better. And my warrior has the belt, um, the Nagentis's girdle, which it's not a it's it's not best in slot or anything. But what the thing I like about this belt is that um, it makes my whirlwind anything I hit with whirlwind over three mobs, I hit them twice. Whirlwind doesn't just hit them once, it hits them twice. So every time I hit Whirlwind on a group of mobs that's like over three mobs, I, my DPS goes up to crazy levels. So it's uh, like Wind Fury Whirlwind. Yes. Oh. It's actually very, it's very nice. It's only that nine. That sounds at the amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's very nice for trash. It puts, it's one of those weapons for Fury. The thing about Fury is that Whirlwind is rage free for Fury. So as a Fury Warrior in Nighthold, my trash DPS is crazy. Like, I mean, I'm not that well geared yet, but I'm like, I spike up to like 979, you know, very, very high compared to like what it normally is. Uh, it's it's really nice. Um, that's Those are the ones I have on my own. For me, I have the one that I got on my Rogue, and it's actually that same ring, Sephaz's Secret, I think is what it's called. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, so on your Rogue, guess what I do a lot of? Interrupting, also stunning. So that ring... That ring's awesome, <laughs> and I love it, <laughs> and I'm really happy I got it. It's a 940, too, because I got it, like, after the patch, so. Yeah, if the, if, if, even if you didn't like the ring that much, um, when you, I was using an 820 Just ring. Just the sheer boost to eye level alone was yeah. was fantastic. Like, the stats on that thing are great. Anyway, uh, Mitch, what about you? <laughs> um, I, I think got... you're, like, you're swimming in them, aren't you? I actually got another one this morning. Um, so I'm up to five on my Priest. None of my other characters have it, but to be fair, I don't play them that often. Um, I have the the Twins Painful Touch. Basically, I have, I think, four of them are actually shadow-specific, and one of them is just kind of the general caster one, where, like, if you don't move, you get a... If you don't move for eight seconds, your next cast, you can cast while moving. Um, I don't have the best in slot yet, which is the shoulders, but honestly, I'm really happy with the ones I have. Um, I got... The very first one I got was the headpiece, which made VE heal for 250% more in void form. And while it's like, oh, that's not a DPS increase, that is super, super useful as a cooldown, especially in Mythic Pluses. Um, so, you know, when we were progressing through those, I could pop that as though I were a healer, you know, popping a uh, group cooldown. And it, it made a huge difference. Um, you know, right now I switched because the one I got today is pretty good. But yeah, I, I'm happy with them overall. Um, I only had, I think I technically I can get ten as a shadow priest, and I have five of them, so can't complain. <laughs> can't complain. <laughs> uh, so second question here kind of ties into that. Does everyone who plays have legendaries now? Are there any stats for who has what and how many? Over my three level one tens, I have six legendaries, three on my fury warrior, um, two on my arcane mage, and one on my elemental shaman. My sons joke that I have more legendaries than some guilds. I play a bit, but I'm not a mythic top flight raider or such, so are legendaries fairly common now, or has RNG just been kind? You know people who've got like four or five legendaries like Mitch, and then other people in my same guild don't have any. Yeah, it, it's definitely not a case where everybody has legendaries right now. And um, I didn't... I, like, I've I only didn't got the one, one you know. Yeah. I didn't get owned for like a real long time of yeah. playing pretty constantly. And um, I definitely... My Death Knight one got one like on the first chest I opened after the patch, like the very first yeah um, there, page I opened. I got it. I got one, and I was like, "What?" There have been pretty clear instances where 
Blizzard's like, yeah, let's up the rate because there have been some Tuesdays. I think there have been two specifically where it's just like, I, you know, because I'm I'm in kind of a, a it's crossover a joyous pinata of orange yeah. items. So we have we have ten different <laughs> guilds kind of chat all linked. Um, yeah. and it was just you know orange every not couple minutes, but it was it was often enough where it was like, okay, something's going on here that people aren't just being you know exceptionally lucky. Like they're being lucky, but the rates definitely went up. I think it also depends on what people do because, you know, Rossi said he played kind of consistently for a long time. Um, you know, if you're playing consistently for a long time and you're only doing, you know, world quests, you're not doing dungeons. Like dungeons, technically, each boss is a chance at a legendary, which means. Which we found out last week on last week's stream because Alex got one for his yes, warlock. Which means each boss that you don't get one increases your bad luck protection slightly. Mm-hmm. Um so if if you're the kind of player that plays a lot and when you play you're running dungeons, your chances are going to go up faster than someone who's playing and doing solo content. Whereas if you don't do dungeons so much, aka me, nah, you don't yeah. really see it that often. And and I have to admit that most of my play is spent, you know, doing world quests and that kind of thing. I don't do typically do a lot of dungeons just because I don't have time to wait in the queue. I really don't. I don't have time to wait. I should be clear about that. I don't have time to like wait an hour in the queue and then spend the rest of that time doing a single dungeon. Like that's just not, I got better things I could be doing with my time. I really do. (laughs) So I kind of have to go do those. (laughs) All right. uh, Third question here is more of a role playing question. So I don't know if you guys want to answer this or not, but it says, do you have families of characters, mostly goblins for me, as you can tell, or do you prefer not to do role-playing links and go for the one of each race with or without a backstory? Rossi, oh, wow. I think maybe you could answer this because you've written stories about your characters before. I, yeah, I've got, this is complicated. Because um, you don't do like actual role-playing role-playing, but I know you develop like stories for your characters. I, I do start, I actually do do a little role-playing because mm-hmm. I have a character on Scenarian Circle, so mm-hmm. I do role-play with those. Uh, one of my characters is my original Roldem, like when I first started playing WoW, have had this character for like ever character. Uh, he's currently a human warrior. He, he has race switch before, but right now he's a human warrior, which is what he started as. So he's the same guy and he, he doesn't relate it to any other character I have, but in the story that I came up with him for him, he and my wife's oldest character are effectively in a relationship, but it's a very snarky annoying relationship but they don't really like each other all that much but they've been like, hang- like you and me yeah very much uh they've been hanging out forever so i'm kind of like her pet because she's a night elf and she can't quite get around the idea that humans are, are people uh you know they only live like a hundred years come on but so there's the, those characters but, but most of my other characters are kind of related like i have i've got like four night elves i've got my night elf death knight i've got a night elf uh warrior I've got another Night Elf Warrior that I haven't played in a while. I've got a Worgen Warrior who I never unworgen. So all of them I consider related. They're in a family. Uh, also my Night Elf Hunter, who I rolled fairly recently. They're all effectively related to each other. They're like an extended family of cousins, various age ranges. Uh, and they, they, they don't all get along or even like each other, but they're all they're part of this family. If, if they could have a last name, they'd all have the same last name. Uh, and I do have a last name for them. Uh, but I don't want to share it because it's personal to me. I, I am that kind of dork. Uh, and also, I've got a bunch of Draenei. Like, I've got four Draenei warriors. All of those characters are related. One of them is extremely old. One of them is actually about as old as Velen. Like, he dates back to that time. Another is, like, his ne- his nephew. Uh, another is, the, is like, actually the niece of that character. And thus is related, but 
it goes back, you know, there because Draenei generations can be extremely diffuse. I wrote, I actually did write a story about that character, like the one that's like the the middle aged one, uh, because I when I went to Draenor, I couldn't. It was like just so much. I kept like thinking, why are we not doing more with the Draenei? Why are we not doing more with like? Oh my God, it's it's that guy. It's it's Exarct. Oh God, I can't remember his name now, but you remember him, the the one Maladar. When when you go and, and Maladar is there and he's like not crazy. And I'm like, oh my God, he's not nuts, and and he's like this total like leader of this people, because you see him right up front. Remember when you first go to Draenor, he's like yeah. the first the first Draenei you see, other than you know the ones you brought with you. And I, I so I wrote this whole thing about that. Yeah, I, I so I I kind of do this and I kind of don't depending like my Torin, I have two Torin, like one's a Torin warrior and one's a Torin death knight. I haven't played my Torin death knight in like three expansions. Because it just was so hard to get around. Like, I didn't want him to be like Trag High Mountain. I wanted him to be his own character. But it's kind of hard to imagine like what a Torin Death Knight would be like. Like, you know, it just—it's a complete repudiation of everything they stand for. You know, the whole Earth Mother thing, that whole thing. If he was like a, a Yongal or a Tonka, I could buy it. But as a Torin, I have a really hard time coming up with a story for him. And my Torin Warrior was great. I loved him. I—I I, I miss playing Horde just for that character, which which you knew him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I liked playing him just because it, it was hilarious. You'd be on your motorcycle, yes, and I jump in the sidecar. And seriously, my blood elf on a motorcycle with a yeah. torrent in the sidecar. <laughs> torrent was like crammed into that sidecar, going, "This is fine. No, <laughs> this is fine. No little friend." I, I could have driven, but okay. Well, it's like I just and I enjoyed it because like it was a really weird guild, and I didn't get to role play all that much. But I liked playing him with them because I imagined he was absolutely convinced that they were all children. Yes, because they're so small. So even though he knows there were a he, lot of elves in that guild, <laughs> he knew he knew intellectually that they weren't children, and in fact they were a lot older than he was. But he kept like going, "Oh, it's okay, little friend. I'll get in front. And I'll let the monster punch me. The monster will punch me, and you and little dead friend can be in the back and just stab it or or set it on fire. I think other little little dead friend sets things on fire. Actually, it's shadow magic. Whatever you do, that that's good. I don't know if I like shadow little magic. little small people. Yeah, it was just an entire guild of tiny people and me, and occasionally an orc. <laughs> like, orcs and are okay. Occasionally an orc. Orcs are okay. They're there were there were a lot of elves and undead in that guild. So yeah, I, I kind of do and I kind of don't. So what about you, Mitch? Do you do any role playing at all, or is it just like you're just playing the game, play game? I'm just, I mean, I, I don't really do role play. I have, I follow the same naming convention for my characters, which is F something ZZL. Yes. Um, and I usually, you know. Almost always go undead and sometimes blood elf on horde side and almost always night elf on alliance side. So I have certain conventions I stick to, but it's not because I'm like role playing them as a family or anything. It's just my own personal convention. As for me, I have a bunch of different characters and while their stories may be related in that they have interacted with each other and have a history, none of them are actually related to each other. Um, I don't think I don't really do families for any of my characters. I'm I'm a fan of like let's just cut all of that stuff out of there because I don't really want to get too involved with it. Like those families existed and there are memories and stories about those families, but they aren't like a prevalent thing with any of my characters. These characters are all the protagonists of a Disney movie that hasn't been written yet. No, they aren't. Oh, it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be a really dark Disney movie. I'm a lot of really terrible characters. You have no idea. Yeah, have you actually like watched the old Disney movies recently? Because they're depressing as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think any of my characters are depressing. They're just kind of like they're a little bit on the um, 
intense side, I guess, most of them. Although my, my Forsaken Priest, is, she is admittedly just comic relief. Totally comic relief. She hates being undead. She she would rather just like sleep forever. And every time anybody wants her to do something, it's like, oh, not again. You know? Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the questions there, Cog Grinder. Appreciate it. I think we have time for one more. So let's go ahead and jump into this one. It says, hey, watchers, I have an idea for an Overwatch franchise. And I want to know what you think about it. As I've learned about Overwatch lore, I realize there's a lot of potential for a story that takes place before the quote unquote present day story that the game takes place within. In addition to their er, development of present day events, such as the introduction of Sombra, they've also established an interesting history for the characters that I think could be expanded upon with a new game release that would serve as a prequel to the FPS. However, instead of another FPS game, I think they should tell this prequel story through a Warcraft 3 style RTS. I think telling the story of the Omnic Crisis and the rise of the Overwatch as a full-on war campaign would be an amazing experience, with the heroes of Overwatch serving as either the commanders, like in StarCraft, or as hero units, like in Warcraft 3, or both. This could also include scaled-down stealth missions featuring Rays and the Blackwatch. I'm sorry for making this a long email, but I really wanted to fully explain the concept I have in mind. So, what do you guys think? This doesn't have a name attached. Um, Overwatch RTS. What do you guys think? I don't know if you'd call Halo Wars an RTS or more of a 4X, mm-hmm. but whatever you call it, Halo Wars is really good. And that's why I included this email, because if you made an Overwatch Halo Wars, oh my god, people would never... They Again, going back to... Remember World of Starcraft comic way back when people were like, people just stop peeing, they don't pee anymore. That's what would happen. You would never. People would just never leave their houses. <laughs> Like uh-huh. food delivery would just skyrocket. Maybe it would save the economy for all I know because people would just be getting everything delivered because they'd be trapped forever in the soft vice like grip of, of robot Overwatch RTS. What about you, Mitch? Um yes and no. I mean, on, on a practical level, the teams at Blizzard that work on the like RTS games uh totally different from Overwatch. So it would either be a bunch of people who have been working on an FPS shifting shifting to an RTS or a bunch well, of people have been theoretically out. they would make an entirely new team to work on this specific thing yeah which also but like do you carry people over practicality i'm gonna aside, point out right now that we know that they're doing a mystery project and haven't told us what it is yet mm-hmm. that's yeah that's true um practicality i'm not saying aside, it is an though, overwatch i'm not saying it is an overwatch rts i'm just saying i i think if they're gonna do another rts i would rather have them do a warcraft rts like i think Overwatch, I like the way that they're telling the story through the the shorts and stuff. Um, someone in chat does mention, you know, Overwatch models for the StarCraft 2 engine. That could be cool. Like, if, if you want to do, like, a fan-made project where you recreate some of these. Um, I just... Like, it's a cool idea. I just think if, if they were to do an RTS, I would rather have it be Warcraft 4 or... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, quite frankly, okay, I don't think Okay, so... I'm going to interrupt here because I don't think that it should be an RTS. And there's a reason why there's one genre Blizzard hasn't jumped into yet that I think they could make a killing on with the right team and with the right IP. No, just a single player RPG. Let us do the single player RPG of the early Overwatch days. I mean, the way that it works right now with the Overwatch lore and the Overwatch story and the Overwatch universe is that 
we have this story that's being presented through these animated features, right? Beautiful animated features. And we have this story that's being told through like the various comics and things like that. Overwatch the game in and of itself is like they handed us all of these characters and said, here's your action figures, go play with them. And we're just sitting there going pew pew, smacking them together and stuff, right? That's how that works. I think that if they wanted to tell that earlier story and if they wanted to let us play through it, it would work better in that RPG format where it's like a single player experience, not a multiplayer, just a single player, but one that has a definitive beginning, middle and end. And the early days of Overwatch really do have that story already prepackaged because you've got the formation of, well, you've got the introduction of the Omnic crisis all the way through the destruction of Overwatch, like the whole blow up at the Swiss headquarters and everything. And that could be your definitive end right there. Like the end, the, the fall, the downfall of Overwatch. And you could split that into like, you could split it into a mass effect style trilogy if you wanted to, but wouldn't that be cool? Maybe? I, I would definitely prefer that over an RTS. I would love to see them tackle a single player RPG. I think that they'd be fantastic at it. And I don't know why they haven't done it yet. But I honestly don't know that they have the interest in doing something that isn't multiplayer right now. That's the I only know, reason. but they should. <laughs> well, I look at when I look at what Blizzard's doing game wise, like they seem to be really focused. Like you, you know, I've written breakfast topics saying give us a single player or an, a roguelike. I've thought for years, why don't we have an Assassin's Creed style game with Nova's in it? Just Nova doing an assassin because you know the game they were actually going to make with Nova, Starcraft Ghost. Well, they had and they covert just, ops, and they yeah, but covert ops is still Starcraft. It didn't do, you know yeah, it wasn't the same thing. No, and there's there's lots of games out there like you know you, you can sit here and just daydream about an you know, Overwatch that's kind of like Starcraft. I mean, not like Starcraft, like a oh god, I can't remember the name of the game now. It's one of the biggest RPGs, Skyrim. Like you could imagine a Skyrim sandbox game for Overwatch. See, and I wouldn't even want a Skyrim style. Actually, you know, if I were going to look at it, I would look at it at something in the style of like Mass Effect or any of the Bioware games where it's like a shooter or, you know, you're a caster or you're what like you can make a customizable hero who's maybe part of that whole Overwatch story, but didn't necessarily have a huge place in history or anything. And you just get to go through or you and, play Doomfist. And live all of this with them. You know, no. you get to experience all of this stuff with them, that kind of thing. And I want to be Doomfist. I'm sorry. I want Terry, to, they've you had you Doomfist. You want to be Terry Crews? Terry Crews. <laughs> yeah. Because they've had that gauntlet forever. Like yeah. that gauntlet's in the original cinematic they made. I want to know what's going on with that dude. What happened to Doomfist? Originally, it was meant to throw away. Yeah, I'm hoping that they'll bring him back because obviously there were three of them. So why not the rise of a fourth? Come on, let's see it happen. But above and beyond that, though, just to answer and address the question, I don't they've done the RTS thing. They've done the RTS thing several times over and they're very, very good at it. Don't get me wrong. They're very good at that style of game. But maybe that style of game isn't the most popular style of game anymore. Maybe people are interested in different stuff. I don't know. Like I said, I would love to see them tackle a single player RPG. I I would like to see that come out of Blizzard because they have a bunch of really creative people in there. And I, I have no doubt that they could pull it off and give us something completely extraordinary. So that's my bid for Overwatch. If they want to give us more story in Overwatch, like playable story, that's the route I think that they should go. But, you know, that's me. Yeah, I mean, that'd be an easy route, too, because Blizzard's thing, like, I think, was it Rossi said, was that they're not really focused on 
single player stuff, or was that you, Ann? I don't know. One of you said that. I said that mostly like they're not doing a lot of stuff that's not multiplayer. Yeah, uh, and this would be, you know, it, it's a single player experience, but it ties into a multiplayer game. Um, and I think you know Blizzard would want that as opposed to a brand new mul- or single player game, because their thing right now seems to be how can you Look, make games that people continue to play. Guys, if they didn't do a single player, it's going to be Blackthorn. <laughs> <laughs> Lost, Lost, Lost Vikings. No, it's going to be no, Blackthorn. 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 We haven't seen Blackthorn in like 15 well, years, man. It's time. There's it also, is time for the return of Blackthorn. Nothing else you, know, you say matters. There, there are genres that they, they haven't done in a while, and you know, racing is one of those. Blackthorn racing. I got you. I understand where you're going. <laughs> Rock and roll Blackthorn racing. <laughs> yes. With, with, get, Blackthorn with the could easily Vikings be the lead singer pilots. of a band. He could. He could, probably. I'll bet uh, you. We're All right. We are we are fully off topic and honestly we should probably start wrapping it up here. So Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. Thank you very much, Ann. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Again, if you do have an email for us, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, I'm Matt Rossi. Th- I've been hosting, and thank you guys very much for listening, and we will be here next week. <laughs> <laughs>